Book Ten, Chapter Eight of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Eight. A Last Resource. To leave thus a spot where she had experienced such felicity, to see it naked and forlorn, despoiled of its hospitality, bereft of its master, all its faithful old servants unrewarded dismissed, in disgrace to have re-entered its pales, and in terror to quit them, to fly even the indulgent father, whose tenderness had withstood every evil with which error and imprudence could assail him set her now all at war with herself and gave her sensations almost maddening she reviewed her own conduct without mercy and though misery after misery had followed every failing all her sufferings appeared light to her repentant sense of her criminality for as criminal alone she could consider what had inflicted misfortunes upon persons so exemplary she arrived at alresford so late with the return horses that she was forced to order a room there for the night though too much occupied to weigh well her lonely and improper situation at an inn and at such hours she was too uneasy to go to bed and too miserable for sleep she sat up without attempting to read write or employ herself patrolling her chamber in mournful rumination nearly as soon as it was light she proceeded and arrived at the house of bellamy as the servants were opening the window shutters fearfully she asked who was at home and hearing only their mistress sent for molly mill and inquired for the answer from edrington but the lad had not yet brought any she begged her to run to the inn to know what had detained him and then ordering the chaise to wait went to her sister eugenia was gently rejoiced to see her though evidently with increased personal unhappiness camilla would fain have spared her the history of the desertion of cleves but it was an act that in its own nature must be public and she had no other way to account for her so speedy return eugenia heard it with the most piercing affliction and in the fullness of her heart from this new blow acknowledged the rapacity of bellamy and the barbarity with which he now scrupled not to avow the sordid motives of his marriage cruelly lamenting the extreme simplicity with which she had been beguiled into a belief of the sincerity and violence of his attachment for myself however she continued i now cease to murmur how can misfortune personally cut me deeper but with pity indeed i think of a new victim she then put into her sister's hand a written paper she had picked up the preceding evening in her room and which having no direction and being in the handwriting of mrs burlington she had thought was a former note to herself accidentally dropped but the first line undeceived her i yield at length o bellamy to the eloquence of your friendship on friday at one o'clock i will be there as you appoint camilla almost petrified read the lines 
she knew better than her sister the plan to which this was the consent which to have been given after her representations and urgency appeared so utterly unjustifiable that with equal grief and indignation she gave up this unhappy friend as wilfully lost and her whole heart recoiled from ever again entering her doors retracing nevertheless her many amiable qualities she knew not how without further effort to leave her to her threatening fate and determined at all risks to put her into the hands of her brother whose timely knowledge of her danger might rescue her from public exposure she wrote therefore the following note to frederick melmont esq watch and save or you will lose your sister c t his address from frequently hearing it was familiar to her she went herself into the hall to give the billet to a footman for the post-office she would not let her sister have any share in the transaction lest it should afterwards by any accident be known though to give force to her warning she risked without hesitation the initials of her own name the repugnance nevertheless to going again to mrs burlington pointed out no new refuge and she waited with added impatience for the answer from edrington in hopes some positive direction might relieve her cruel perplexity the answer however came not and yet greater grew her distress molly meal brought word that when the messenger who was a postboy returned he was immediately employed to drive a chaise to london the people at the inn heard him say something of wanting to go to squire bellamy's with a letter but he had not time he was to come back however at night to wait till he arrived seemed now to them both indispensable but while considering at what hour to order the chaise they heard a horseman gallop up to the house door is it possible it should already be mr bellamy cried eugenia changing colour his voice loud and angry presently confirmed the suggestion eugenia trembling said she would let him know whom he would find and went into the next room where as he entered he roughly exclaimed what have you done with what i dropped out of my pocket-book there sir she answered in the tone of firmness given by the ascendance of innocence over guilt there it is but how you can reconcile to yourself the delusions by which you must have obtained it i know not i hope only for her sake and for yours such words will never more meet my eyes he was beginning a violent answer in a raised voice when eugenia told him her sister was in the next room he then in a low tone said i warrant you have shown her my letter the veracious eugenia was incapable of saying no and bellamy unable to restrain his rage though smothering his voice through his shut teeth said i shall remember this i promise you however if she dare ever speak of it you may tell her from me i shall lock you up upon bread and water for the rest of your life and lay it at her door i have no great terms to keep with her now what does she say about cleves and that fool your uncle who is giving up his house to pay your father's debts what has brought her back again 
she is returning to grosvenor square to miss margland miss margland there's no miss margland in grosvenor square nor anybody else that desires her company i can tell her however go and get her off for i have other business for you eugenia then opening the door found her sister almost demolished with terror and dismay silently for some seconds they sunk on the breast of each other horror closing all speech drying up even their tears you have no message to give me camilla at length whispered i have perforce heard all and i will go though whither she stopped with a look of distress so poignant that eugenia bursting into tears while tenderly she clung around her said my sister my camilla from me from my house must you wander in search of an asylum bellamy here called her back camilla entreated she would inquire if he knew whither miss margland was gone he now came in himself bowing civilly though with constraint and told her that miss margland was with mrs macdersey at macdersey's own lodgings but that neither of them would any more be invited to grosvenor square after such ill-treatment of mrs burlington's brother can you thought camilla talk of ill-treatment while turning to her sister she said which way shall i now travel bellamy abruptly asked if she was forced to go before dinner but not with an air of inviting any answer none could she make she looked down to save her eyes the sight of an object they abhorred embraced eugenia who seemed a picture of death and after saying adieu added if i knew whither you thought i should go that should be my guide home my dearest sister drive then she cried hurrying to the chaise to etherington bellamy advancing said with a smile i see you are not much used to travelling miss camilla and gave the man a direction to bagshot she began now to feel nearly careless what became of her her situation seemed equally desolate and disgraceful and in gloomy despondence when she turned from the high road and stopped at a small inn called the halfway house about nine miles from etherington she resolved to remain there till she received her expected answer ardently hoping if it were not yielding and favourable the spot upon which she should read it would be that upon which her existence would close alighting at the inn which from being upon a cross-road had little custom and was scarce more than a large cottage she entered a small parlour discharged her chaise and ordered a man and horse to go immediately to belfont presently two or three gentle tappings at the door made her though fearfully say come in a little girl then with incessant low courtesies appeared and looking smilingly in her face said pray ma'am ain't you the lady that was so good to us when my dear what do you mean why that used to give us cakes and nice things and gave em to jen and bet and jack and that would not let my dad be took up camilla now recollected the eldest little hygin the washerwoman's niece and kindly inquired after her father her aunt and family oh they all does pure now my dad's 
had no more mishaps and he hopes please god to get on pretty well sweet hearing cried camilla all my purposes have not then been frustrated with added satisfaction she learnt also that the little girl had a good place and a kind mistress she begged her to hasten the belfont messenger giving her in charge a short note for eugenia with a request for the etherington letter she had spent nothing in london save in some small remembrances to one or two of mrs burlington's servants and though her chaise hire had now almost emptied her purse she thought every expense preferable to either lengthening her suspense or her residence on the road in answer to the demand of what she would be pleased to have she then ordered tea she had taken no regular meal for two days and for two nights had not even been in bed but the wretchedness of her mind seemed to render her invulnerable to fatigue the shaken state of her nerves warped all just consideration of the impropriety of her present sojourn her judgment had no chance where it had her feelings to combat and in the despondence of believing herself parentally rejected she was indifferent to appearances and desperate upon all other events nor was she brought to any recollection till she was informed that the messenger she had concluded was half-way to belfont could not set out till the next morning this small and private inn not being able to furnish a man and horse at shorter warning to pass a second night at an inn seemed even in the calculations of her own harassed faculties utterly improper and thus driven to extremity she forced herself to order a chaise for home though with a repugnance to so compulsory a meeting that made her wish to be carried in it a corpse the tardy prudence of the character naturally rash commonly arrives but to point repentance that it came not before the only pair of horses the little inn afforded were now out upon other duty and would not return till the next day almost to herself incredible seemed now her situation she was compelled to order a bed and to go upstairs to a small chamber but she could not even wish to take any rest i am an outcast she cried to my family my mother would rather not see me my father forbears to demand me and he dearer to me than life by whom i was once chosen has forgotten me how may i support my heavy existence and when will it end overpowered nevertheless by fatigue in the middle of the night she lay down in her clothes but her slumbers were so broken by visions of reproach conveyed through hideous forms and in menaces the most terrific that she gladly got up preferring certain affliction to wild and fantastic horrors nearly as soon as it was light she rang for little peggy whose southampton anecdotes had secured her the utmost respect from the mistress of the inn and heard that the express was set off dreadful and dreary in slow and lingering misery passed the long interval of his absence though his rapid manner of travelling made it short for the ground he traversed she had now however bought sufficient experience to bespeak a chaise against his return the only employment in which she could engage herself was conversing with peggy hitton 
who she was glad to find could not remember her name well enough to make it known through her pronunciation from the window at length she perceived a man and horse gallop up to the house she darted forth exclaiming have you brought me any answer and seizing the letter he held out saw the handwriting of lavinia and shut herself into her room she opened it upon her knees expecting to find within some lines from her mother none however appeared and sad and mortified she lay down the letter and wept so utterly then she cried have i lost her even with her pen will she not speak to me how early is my life too long taking up again then the letter she read what follows to miss camilla tyrold alas my dear sister why can i not answer you according to our mutual wishes my father is at winchester with a lawyer upon the affairs of indiana and my mother is abroad with my uncle upon business which he has asked her to transact but even were she here could i while the man awaits intercede have you forgotten your ever fearful lavinia all that she dares shall be done but that you may neither think she has been hitherto neglected nor let your hopes expect too much speed from her future efforts i am painfully reduced to own to you what already has passed but let it not depress you you know when she is hurt it is not likely but you know also where she loves her displeasure once past is never allowed to rise again yesterday i saw her looking at your picture the moment seemed to be happy and i ventured to say ah poor camilla but she turned to me with quickness and cried lament rather lavinia your father did he merit so little trust from his child that her affairs should be withheld from him till they cast him where i found him dread memorable sight when may i forget it even after this my dear camilla i hazarded another word she will be miserable i said my dear mother till she returns she will return she answered with miss margland this is no season for any expense that may be avoided and camilla most of all must now see the duties of economy were her understanding less good i should less heavily weigh her errors but she sets it apart to abandon herself to her feelings alas poor thing they will now themselves be her punishers let her not however despond tell her when you write her angelic father forgives her and tell her she has always had my prayers and will ever have my blessing though i am not eager as yet to add to her own reproaches those she may experience from my presence i knew not how to introduce this to my dearest camilla but your messenger and his haste now forces me to say all and say it quick he brings i find the letter from belfont where already we had heard you were removed through miss margland much to the approbation of my father and my mother who hope your sojourn there is a solace to you both adieu my dearest sister your messenger cannot wait lavinia tyrold she will not see me then cried camilla she cannot bear my sight 
O death, let me not pray to thee also in vain. Weak from inanition, confused from want of sleep, harassed with fatigue, and exhausted by perturbation, she felt now so ill that she solemnly believed her fatal wish quick approaching. The landlord of the inn entered to say that the chaise she had ordered was at the door, and put down upon the table the bill of what she had to pay. Whither to turn, what course to take, she knew not, though to remain longer at an inn, while persuaded life was on its wane, was dreadful. Yet how present herself at home after the letter she had received? What asylum was anywhere open to her? She begged the landlord to wait, and again read the letter of Lavinia, when, startled by what was said of abandoning herself to her feelings, she saw that her immediate duty was to state her situation to her parents. She desired, therefore, the chaise might be put up, and wrote these lines. I could not unhappily stay at Eugenia's, nor can I return to Mrs. Burlington. I am now at the halfway house where I shall wait for commands. My Lavinia will tell me what I may be ordered to do. I am ill, and earnestly I pray with an illness from which I may rise no more. When my father, my mother, hear this, they will perhaps accord me to be blessed again with their sight. The brevity of my career may, to their kindness, expiate its faults. They may pray for me where my own prayers may be too unsanctified to be heard. They may forgive me, though my own forgiveness never more will quiet this breast. Heaven bless and preserve them, their unoffending daughters, and my ever-loved uncle, Camilla Tyrold. She then rang the bell, and desired this note might go by express to Etherington. But this, the waiter answered, was impossible. The horse on which the messenger had set out to Belfont, though it had only carried him the first stage, and brought him back the last, had galloped so hard that his master would not send it out again the same day, and they had but that one. She begged he would see instantly for some other conveyance. The man who was come back from Belfont, he answered, would be glad to be discharged, as he wanted to go to rest. She then took up the bill, and upon examining the sum total, found with express the chaise in which she came the last stage, that which she ordered to take her to Etherington, and the expense of her residence it amounted to half a crown beyond what she possessed. She had only, she knew, to make herself known as the niece of Sir Hugh Tyrold, to be trusted by all the environs, but to expose herself in this helpless and even penniless state appeared to her to be a degradation to every part of her family. To enclose the bill to Etherington was to secure its being paid, but the sentence, Camilla, most of all, must now see the duties of economy, made her revolt from such a step. All she still possessed of pecuniary value she had in her pocket. The seal of her father, the ring of her mother, the watch of her uncle, and the locket of Edgar Mandelbert. With one of these she now determined to part, in preference to any new exposure at Etherington, or to incurring the smallest debt. She desired to be left alone, 
and took them from her pocket one by one painfully ruminating upon which she could bear to lose it may not she thought be for long for quick i hope my course will end yet even for an hour even for the last final moment to give up such dear symbols of all that has made my happiness in life she looked at them kissed and pressed them to her heart spoke to them as if living and understanding representatives of their donors and bestowed so much time in lamenting caresses and hesitation that the waiter came again while yet she was undetermined she desired to speak with the mistress of the house instinctively she now put away the gifts of her parents but between her uncle and edgar she wavered she blushed however at her demur and the modesty of duty made her put up the watch taking then an agitating last view of a locket which circumstances had rendered inappreciable to her ah not in vain she cried even now shall i lose what once was a token so bewitching dear precious locket edgar even yet would be happy you should do me one last kind office generously benevolently he would rejoice you should spare me still one last menacing shame when mrs marl the landlady came in deeply colouring she put it into her hand turning her eyes another way while she said mrs marl i have not quite money enough to pay the bill but if you will keep this locket for a security you will be sure to be paid by and by mrs marl looked at it with great admiration and then with yet greater wonder at camilla tis pretty indeed ma'am she said would be pity to sell it however i shall shew it my husband mr marl soon came himself with looks somewhat less satisfied tis a fine bauble ma'am cried he but i don't much understand those things and there's nobody here can tell me what it's worth i'd rather have my money if you please weakened now in body as well as spirit she burst into tears alas she thought how little do my friends conjecture to what i am reduced she offered however the watch and the countenance of mr marl lost its gloom this said he is something like a gold watch one may be sure to get one's own for but such a thing as that mayn't fetch sixpence fine as it looks mrs marl objected to keeping both but her husband said he saw no harm in it and camilla begged her note might be sent without delay a laborer after some search was found who undertook for handsome pay to carry it on foot to the rectory end of chapter eight read by lars rolander